Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thank you for listening to this episode. We've got Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk on the pod today. A lot of stuff going on with the NFL off the field with TV deals. Looks like we're getting a 17-game regular season. So we get into all that with Mike. And um, one of the interesting things about the conversation is a lot of the things going on with the TV deals, the extra game, really centered around gambling, according to, to Florio. So, um, and you know, the NFL doesn't like to admit that. So it's, it's an interesting uh, move by the NFL, how they're really making a lot of moves because of gambling. So make sure you listen. And uh, it's a good conversation about the NFL there with uh, Florio. Before we get to it, just a reminder, if you missed previous episodes of the SI Media podcast, we had Brian Curtis from The Ringer and TV critic from Rolling Stone, Alan Sepinwall, on last week. I've gotten tremendous feedback on that pod. A lot of people have enjoyed it. Uh, so check that out if you missed it. Two weeks ago, Darren Rovell was on the podcast about the trading card explosion. He sort of gave me a lesson and an education. And since that podcast, now we've got NBA Top Shot, which I tried to read about and made my head spin. So I'm behind the curve as, uh, again, but if you're into this trading card thing and, and how it's exploded, Rovell does a good job there of explaining it all. Kevin Clark from The Ringer was on recently, as well as Aaron Andrews, Kyle Brandt, and Roman Reigns. So dip into the archives, check those out, give them a listen, subscribe to the pod, rate and review. And now that's enough of the plugs. Let's get to Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio. All right, joining me now. The man behind Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. Mike, how are you? Doing great. Just making sure my phone's <clears throat> off, ringer's off. Phone's turned upside down, so I won't be right. distracted. How's it going? It's going It's going well. Can't complain. A little bummed out that the J.J. Uh, Watt signed already. I was enjoying the Twitter sleuths trying to figure out where J.J. was going based on his tweets. That, that was a lot of fun for the last couple of weeks, so I'm bummed he signed there so quickly. I think he was messing with us, oh, but yeah. I still enjoyed it. I yeah, still enjoyed I was, it very much. I, I don't think he started out messing with us. And then I think once he saw people getting crazy, then he decided to mess with us. It was, it was entertaining. And yeah. that's one of the things that he brings to Arizona. You know, it just occurred to me a few minutes ago. Above everything else that that move does for the Cardinals, he has a cachet to him. He has a status to him that I think replaces Larry Fitzgerald. I think getting J.J. Watt is the clearest sign yet that they fully expect to not have Larry Fitzgerald because he kind of steps into that, that, that spot, that gravitas mm -hmm. that they'd have with Larry Fitzgerald. That now transfers to J.J. Watt, and they have a clear leader on their defense. Whether or not he stays healthy, whether or not he's effective, those are all to be determined, but he gives them a presence they didn't previously have, especially if Fitzgerald's done. 
Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what he's got left in the. I think he's going to have a big year just because I think the last couple of years in Houston, I know they made the playoffs two years ago, but that loss to the Bills was so bad in that playoff game. And then last year, obviously, was a disaster. But I, the vibe I got was that he had enough of Bill O'Brien. And then obviously this year turned into a disaster. So I think JJ will play well. Um, I, I want to get into some on because there's other players who, who are going to have fascinating off seasons, but I want to discuss a couple of uh, off the field things first. And the first one, which I, you know, I cover media. So the TV deals are, are big on my radar, but one thing that sort of came and went with, without a ton of fanfare, maybe because people expected it was the 17 games regular season. looks like that's going to happen this season. Um, do you, do you, well, let's start with this. Do you like that? Do you not like that? What do you, where do you fall on it? Well, one thing I learned a long time ago in dealing with the NFL, it doesn't matter what we personally like or don't like. The train is rolling. The inventory is expanding. The gambling influence, I think, is a huge impetus for this. Now, the NFL had been pushing to expand the regular season for years, years before the U.S. Supreme Court opened the floodgates for nationwide legalized sports betting. Once it arrives, though, that creates the urgency to have more product, more things on which people can bet. We get 16 more regular season games out of this. And yes, 16 fewer preseason games, but people are more likely to get engaged with and bet on the games that count. So it, it felt inevitable. Frankly, it feels inevitable. They're going to go to 18 at some point. And the next step is expanding the league. Once you get to the maximum number of games you can play, the only way you can expand the inventory is to add more teams. And it won't surprise me if that happens at some point. I don't want to say sooner than later, but a couple of years ago, I thought it was not happening in our lifetimes, if ever. I'm starting to think it's going to happen because they're going to realize, number one, there's more quarterbacks now than there had been in past years, quarterbacks who can come in and play well. So you don't have that situation where you'd have just four or five teams that, that have nothing at quarterback. So you could expand. But I think this is all part of the process. So it doesn't surprise me. They secured the right to do it last year from the union. What they wanted to do, and people thought that Jimmy trying to get these media deals done was about maybe reshuffling salary cap money for 2021. My understanding is it was all about getting the media deals done so they can do the 17 games. Because if you do 17 before you know what you're getting paid for 17, you potentially get paid less mm-hmm. for 17. Right. And it's all about the money. Um, is is the fact that, and, and I agree with you, the NFL is going to do what they want. I don't think they care about their fans in any way, shape, or form. That's my opinion. But is any of this 17-game regular season now going to help in getting us a Super Bowl on President's Day weekend, which NFL fans across the country all want that Monday off or they want the Super Bowl to be moved to Saturday so they don't have to work the day after. Is that any factor at all in this? I know it's something the NFL's wanted to do for a long time. Getting President's Day weekend, having that Monday after the Super Bowl as a holiday. Now, there's been concerns about, well, what happens if people travel and they're not at home? So their TV's off and they're not watching it at home. They went to go visit their brother and sister-in-law and their kids two hours away and they're staying until Monday and they're all watching the Super Bowl together. I I don't think they worry about that anymore because they've come up with with better ways than I can understand to track the total audience. They want to get it on President's Day weekend. Peter King worked out the math in his Football Morning in America column on Monday. He got it to February 13, which is as late as it's ever been, the latest it's ever been. I still don't think that next year it coincides with President's Day. I, I guess we could always move President's Day back a week and make it fit that way. But I think consistently land on President's Day, they're going to need one more week to bump it toward that spot. So they would never consider pushing the start of the season back one week to get to President's Week. I don't think so, because, you know, they made the decision 20 years or so ago to abandon Labor Day weekend because that is a TV ratings low point. But then they start up right away. And that's kind of when the world resets right after Labor Day. Mm. More people watching TV, more people there to consume the content. It's that Thursday night we get started every year with the kickoff game on NBC. I just think and and look until it's locked in stone. and, And I guess with the 
the 17 game, I, it'd be, I, I'm never going to see the end, the end result of the TV contracts. It'd be interesting to see whether there's anything in there that contemplates an 18th game and whether or not they're hoping that as they try to rebuild the revenue that was lost from the pandemic, the union comes to the league at some point and says, hey, you know what? Here's an idea for getting some of this money back. Why don't we play 18 games? I, it, it's, it's a delicate issue. And I think they'd love for the union to be the one to raise the possibility of just skipping over 17 and going straight to 18. I don't have any reason to think that's going to happen, but I have reason to to believe the NFL would love for it to happen if they could find a way to make it work. Right. But meanwhile, every I you know, I you know, you don't want to speak for every NFL fan, but I am sure every NFL fan would trade that, you know, would accept pushing the season back a week the start of the season back a week to get that Super Bowl on President's Day weekend. It seems like such an easy, simple solution. Um, you know, hopefully maybe they consider it, who knows, but it doesn't sound like from what I you're think saying. They'd rather just have another week of games. Yeah. R- rather but, than but having it, but, a dark it, week, let's start when we always start it and let's have another week of games. I think that would be their plan A and their so, top preference. So do you think they'd go to 18 games relatively soon? I mean, can you see that happening within five years? When this first came up 10, 12 years ago, the commissioner talked about 18 and two, not 17 and three. 17 and three became the compromise. Right. And one of the reasons I think they're going to stick with three preseason games is that's part of the leverage. That's part of the trade off with the union eventually to go to 18 and two. You go to 17 and two, what's your trade off? 18 and one. And remember, the NFL's had a 20 game season forever. When I was a kid, 14 and six, six preseason games, almost half the length of the regular season were these exhibition games that they made a big deal about, but those players at that time needed that much time to get in shape before the games that counted. Now they're ready to just jump right in. So I I just think that, and that's why I'd like to see the TV deals. I I think that the NFL would love to get to 18 as soon as they possibly could. I never knew they, they, there was a time with six preseason game. That's insane. Pre-78, pre-78, when they went from 14 to 16 with no fanfare, no discussion, no scrutiny. It was just 14 to 16. All right, here we go. Nobody even said much about it. It's just like, hey, two more weeks of football. Let's go. What a different time that was. Um, so you've mentioned the TV deals. What's interesting, what I thought was most interesting, there's a, there's a lot of interesting things based on John, John O'Ran's reporting in Sports Business Journal. I know the NFL has pushed back on it. If John O'Ran's reporting it, it's true. So don't listen to the NFL. Um, these deals for not for Thursday night football, which is expected just to just be NFL Network and Prime, but the deals for CBS, Fox, and NBC are eleven-year deals, according to Oran. I thought that was extremely interesting because I would have thought the you know the NFL would want to open it up again in five six years and make more money because of doubling the rights fees for this contract. Why do you think so long with the deals? Well, I think to get to the number the NFL wanted, the networks wanted to have a longer runway until they have to do this again. And there's a belief in the industry that the next time around is really when the deck will be dramatically reshuffled, that our entire consumption experience will be disconnected from television. It'll be all streaming. And by then, the Amazons, the Googles, the Netflix, the whatever else will be here in 10 years that currently hasn't even been invented, that those folks will be at the table and they will be in a position to take the big packages. The balance for the NFL is always this, how much money they can make for the rights versus how many people they can gather at one time for a three-hour infomercial on their product. And that's why three-letter broadcast TV continues to work because nothing gathers a live audience like that because there's still millions of people in the country, Jimmy, who don't have broadband, who rely on the $20 antenna that you get at Walmart that you stick to your TV and you grab whatever free signals come out of the air. And until that changes, there's always going to be a bigger platform when you're talking about dealing with ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC. And this is really in the woods, and this is a, a tech thing that I know I'm not equipped to speak of, but there's also the issue with, as you mentioned sort of at the beginning, with gambling now becoming what it's becoming. It's always been there with the NFL, but now you have the legalized, the DraftKings, FanDuel's, the um, you know the uh, Daily Fantasy. That w- w- I'm thinking of the things they do with the players. Um, with streaming, you have a so live in-game betting 
is huge and every day gets bigger and bigger and bigger and every year gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And with the live in-game betting, you can't have that delay that streaming gives you. So that's another bizarre factor in all this. You need They're it. working on it though. They're working yeah. on it. Think about this. Oh. This conversation we're having right now. It, there's no delay. There's no lag. You know, when I first had a Glowpoint camera, when I joined NBC in 2009 and I would try to do interviews, it was horrible because there was always that one and a half seconds. So if you anticipate that the person's done and they're not done and you're doing this Chip and Dale routine where, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. That, that, that has been engineered out of normal communications. You know, I did the entire season this year from the studio above my garage, Sunday Night Football, NBC. Nobody knew the difference. It was all instantaneous. So if that technology's out there to connect my house in West Virginia to the NBC studio in Connecticut, the technology is there to deliver to everyone real-time, no latency signal that then is conducive to grabbing the cell phone device, making the wager one play at a time. What's the outcome of the play? Is it a run? Is it a pass? Is it a first down? Is it a touchdown? Whatever. That's where the full engagement from the gambling comes from. And I think it's closer than either you or I realize. Okay. Well, that that's going to be interesting to see when that happens. And then the other factor is, according to Oran, the networks are basically having to double what they've paid the NFL. Um, I, I, what he said was CBS and NBC were paying a million dollar, a, a billion dollars for their packages. Now they're going to be paying two billion. Um, Fox, the NFL wants two point two five billion, according to Oran, and Fox is trying to uh, get that down. I don't know why the extra money for Fox, maybe because they have FS1 and they need highlights for those shows. That's why- NFC they, package. That, that, okay, because the, the NFC, the NFC package. package is more valuable than the AFC package. There you go. There you go. Um, were you surprised even a little bit that the NFL was able to get double the price this time around? They did have a 7% ratings dip this year. I don't think that's significant when you throw in pandemic. Super Bowl rating was- not good at all, considering you had Brady Mahomes, but the game was unwatchable. So I don't know how you, you know, read that. Um, but were you surprised at all they were able to get double? Well, it did surprise me because the audience continues to fracture. You know, when I see that the total viewership for Super Bowl 55 was 98 million, all platforms, yep, all devices. Yep. What the hell are the other 250 million people in the country doing? Like, there's still a lot of people out there who aren't watching the signature event that the National Football League has to offer, but there's still nothing like professional football to draw an audience of 20 to 30 million together on a regular basis. So the networks can promote whatever other products they have, whether it's the stuff that's on air during the, the old viewing pattern schedule, or they all have their streaming services now, but whatever it is, it's a great opportunity for them to promote their stuff. And it's almost like you have to do it. If you're going to be a real network, you have to have one of these packages. And the thing that amazes me about this one, Jimmy, you know, in past negotiations, I vaguely recall that there was always some other party hovering in the event that one of the traditional networks would say, too rich for my blood, somebody would swoop in. There was, the NFL was able to get these increases without this vague threat that some other major broadcaster was going to jump in and take the package. Like Monday Night Football, for example, big gap between the NFL and ESPN. There was never a discussion of Turner trying to take it. And, you know, the reality is who was going to pay more than ESPN for that right. property? But, but to pull off those increases without having the leverage that comes from having that one extra body looking for one of the seats, that, that makes it even more impressive. Yeah, I, I, I think... Um you know, if you if you take out the streaming companies which you mentioned before, Amazon and Google and Apple and all that, and you just get down to TV, there aren't many places that can spend two billion dollars on an eleven-year deal. I've said on this podcast three or four times over the past month to six weeks what you just said. I, I was surprised Turner did not get involved, but maybe they don't want to get locked into a two billion dollar deal when they you know they have the NBA, they're fine with that, and um, I, I you know. And back to the Super Bowl thing for one second, what I wanted to say is, you know, like you said, they got 98 million for all platforms, TV streaming, not a good number. But even if they would have, let's say they would have gotten 105 million, uh, you know, last year, I think it was 100 point something. Let's say they topped it, 103 million, 105 million, 110 million. What's more impressive to me 
is not that because the Super Bowl has become a holiday. It's become an event. The fact that on a Sunday at 425 in the middle of October, November, that Fox and CBS get 30 million in this day and age where nobody's watching network television, that is way more impressive to me than the Super Bowl number. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And we see the bigger audiences now with the late afternoon games. The TV habits have changed so much. It's not like it used to be when I was growing up where Sunday nights we all gather around the TV. Really, every night of the week you gather around the TV because there's nothing else to consume your attention. And now with so many other ways that people can spend their time and so many different ways they can consume the content, you know, that live sporting event that draws you in that moment, that's where the gambling becomes critical. The gambling component, it's not like you can DVR it and gamble later, right. you have to be engaged in it live. And I think part of why the networks are paying these amounts, they see which way the ball is moving. They know it's still going to take some time to get there. And I, and I think we need a critical mass of 35 to 40 states with legalized sports wagering before it really pops. Right. But everyone's kind of lining up at the trough for that now. And when it does pop, yeah, maybe the ratings go even higher because as people become engaged in the process then they're definitely going to want to be tuned in that moment, watching every play so they can, they can bet on whichever plays they feel like betting on. Absurd. We don't have it here in New York yet. Um, and then, you know, one thing, you know, Oran's done some great reporting on the TV deals, but one thing we haven't heard anything about is the Sunday ticket. And I know when I talk to my friends or even I post stuff on Twitter in my column, you know, people aren't really as interested in the uh, CBS, Fox, NBC, because that's always going to be, like you said, it's always there. And, you know, there was expected to be all these changes. Nothing's changing. Everything's staying the same except Thursday night. The thing everyone wants to know about is Sunday ticket and the DirecTV exclusivity. Um, do we have any sort of inkling of what's going to happen with that? Well, you know, there's been some discussion about the possibility of ESPN Plus taking over the Sunday ticket package. But one of the things I've noticed in some of the reporting that has emerged in recent weeks, whether it's from Sports Business Journal, whether it's from CNBC, which has had some stories in this matter, and, and other places, I see references to streaming rights being subsumed within the various networks. And maybe, and, and I have nothing to base this on other than just you see these references and you're thinking, wait a minute, did they basically carve up Sunday ticket and sell the streaming rights to the various networks? So basically there won't be Sunday ticket. You want to stream Cowboys giants and you live in Topeka, Kansas and the free game that you're getting that day isn't Cowboys giants. You better have the Fox or the CBS, whichever network has the game platform with the stream. So you can watch the game that way. I'm not saying that's where it's going, but when I keep seeing reference to streaming rights as part of these network deals, it would help explain the doubling of the price, but it would also help explain the whereabouts of the Sunday ticket. It could be that, and, and this is one of those things that's just kind of vaguely rattling around in my brain that maybe I should follow up on it. Maybe I should actually do some you know, real reporting on it, but right. I never remember to do it. And right. maybe now I will, but it's just been kind of nagging at me that maybe Sunday ticket just disappears and the individual networks own their own piece of Sunday ticket. That's you know, so it's that's very 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 interesting. You brought that up because when I read the Oran report this morning, he, he it was last night, but I read it this morning. Um, you know, he made sure to mention that these new TV deals that the games will be streamed on Peacock, which is the NBC streaming app, and Paramount, which is the CBS streaming app. And when I saw that, I I thought to myself, okay, so I'm in New York. The Jets are playing the Bills at one o'clock. I can watch on the CBS app, but does that mean I, or can I watch any CBS game? If, you know, the Texans are playing the Titans at one o'clock, do I get that game or just local market? There wasn't any detail on it. So it's interesting that you went there because that would be a game changer for sure. Um, I mean, I listen, I like to watch multiple games at once, but even, you know, in New York, we get stuck with the Jets and Giants at 425 and there's a better game going on. If we have access to that without Sunday ticket, that would be a tremendous, tremendous uh, perk. And this speaks to the deeper conflict between legacy TV and streaming, because I'm sure none of these affiliates out there for CBS, when it comes to Paramount Plus or Peacock and NBC, they can't be thrilled with people having the ability to, to watch all of those shows on demand. You don't even have to DVR, you just pull it up. I watched mm -hmm. Saturday Night Live 
when I'm working out on Sundays and I press the button on Peacock and I have the no ad option, which is $9.99 a month, which isn't all that bad. Although I, hope certain- you're, I hope you're not paying for Peacock. I pay for it. I'm happy to pay for it. I'm well, happy well, to pay. What's the point of working there if you don't get the thing for free? No, it's, I, don't mind, I don't mind supporting the platform. But it's amazing because you don't have to screw around with commercials. It just right. goes from one sketch to the next, and it's right. done in an hour. And uh, that, that would have that. So my, my point is, if you're in New York and you have Paramount Plus and you can watch any CBS game that's on at that window when they're hoping that you tune in and watch the CBS game that's live on the local affiliate, that's intriguing. And I'm sure the affiliates won't like that one bit. Now, Sunday tickets always been there, but this will be a hell of a lot. If this if we're on to something, there's a chance we're not. But if we're onto something here, it makes the whole process of the Sunday ticket a lot easier than it was. I know when I first got it, you got to get the satellite dish. And it's a pain in the ass and you got to do this right. and you got to do that. And you, you know, you, you, you get all the games or none of the games. Well, if they break it up and, you know, you get the Fox streamer, you get the CBS streamer. It's, it's cheaper. It's easier. It's more flexible. And, and maybe it's more valuable to the individual networks to have those rights and Sunday yeah. ticket just goes away. But but I would assume Sunday ticket in satellite form would still exist because you've got people out in the middle of nowhere who don't have access to broadband. Right. And their satellite dish is their window to the world. And DirecTV will be out of business if they lose Sunday ticket. Yeah. I mean, the amount of people who have DirecTV just for Sunday ticket, they would be done. And, you know, I think market is a big factor in this. You know, if you're here in New York where the Jets have been a complete embarrassment for 20 or 30 years, like, and you're stuck every week having to, it's not having to watch them because you have the choice. You, you know, you find out ways to watch other games, but the fact that you don't have the option, it's, you just want the option. That's what life is about. You want options. And on a Sunday at four o'clock, I want the option of not watching one of the most inept and embarrassing franchises in sports history. I want to watch the best game of the day. It's not that difficult. So, you know, if you're in a double market like we are, it's tough. If you're in a single market, you're going to get the best game pretty much most of the time. But we're we're saddled with Jets and Giants every week and you get limited on what you get access to. That's the problem. From the NFL's perspective, they they don't care which game you're watching as long as you're watching a game. And more importantly, as long as you're wagering on a game, the ultimate end result that they're hoping for. And the other side of this too, Jimmy, and I see the potential for, and this has been vaguely mentioned, but not reported on Monday night, double headers on a more regular basis, because it's another window, you know, as gambling takes off, the more games they can carve out of that one o'clock Eastern window, where it's a cluster of games all at once, and you can't follow one. If you carve out new windows and you have everyone who's watching football, watching only that game maximizes the betting opportunities from home on that game. You want to be able to focus on one game. And and so, you know, they kind of tripped over some of this stuff by accident this year during the pandemic, but the Monday night doubleheader, Tuesday right. night games, Wednesday night games. Yeah, I, I don't know how far they would stretch it, but there's value in having as many games as possible being played all alone, just that game, and no other games happening at that time. Yeah. I don't need Tuesday and Wednesday, but I loved the Monday doubleheaders the two or three times we got them this year. I loved it. Um, again, though, we're working from home because of a pandemic. So you could just, you know, if you're commuting, that first game could be tough, you know, on the East Coast. Um, How much of this do you think is permanent, though, where people are working at home and the commute and oh, making I, sure that you give people on the West Coast a chance to get home and all of this stuff? How much of that do you think even matters going forward? I don't. I don't think you're going to, I think you're going to get a lot of people who, who go into an office on a limited basis. I know a lot of companies, I I know I'm hearing, you know, you hear a lot about people think everything's going to be work from home. I don't think it's going to go that far. Um, I think most, I I think there's going to be some cases like that for sure. Uh, I think you have cases where someone maybe goes to an all, you know, once, twice a week. I think a lot of the work, Habits are going to change even after the pandemic, for sure. Well, as somebody who's been doing it for 12 years, I saw it recently phrased as it's not working from home. It's living where you work. And that is after 12 years, I can tell you that is damn true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I worked from home for uh, a couple of years. I didn't love it. I, I, I liked it most of the time, but there would be like one or two days where I'd be like, I wish I can go into an office, see some people have some human contact 
And, you know, you, you need FaceTime, I think, with higher ups. Um, I mean, you're, you are the higher up, so you don't need that. But it's always good to get a face. You know, I feel, you know, I feel bad for it because we've had this here at SI. I feel bad for people who started a job during a pandemic and have never met their coworkers physically and just do it over Zoom. I think, you know, you, lo- you do definitely lose something with that. Yeah, absolutely. And you wonder where that balance is finally going to be struck and what it's going to do to commercial real estate prices and how it's going to just transform the world that we live in. But we've seen the transition made by necessity. Mm -hmm. The question is when it's no longer a necessity, how viable will it be? Are people as productive? Let me tell you one thing real quickly. Our traffic has exploded during the pandemic because it's easier for somebody who's working from home or living where they work to check out what's happening on whatever website they may peruse from time to time when you're at work and you're worried about the boss and you know, the volume comes on when you've got ads and oh, it's got volume. I'm going to get in trouble. I haven't gotten a complaint like that in months. We used to get that complaint all the time. Oh, I'll turn that volume off on your ads. Nobody cares anymore because there's no boss hovering over them. If they want to take five minutes and see what's happening in the NFL and our traffic, I mean, for February, I, I may not be remembering these numbers correctly. We had 36.3 million page views and 7.6 million unique visitors last February. This February, with no scouting combine, 36.3 became 59.2. Wow. And 7.6 became 14.6. Wow. That is, I mean, that's not with an With no increase. scouting that's, combine. Yeah. That is amazing. That is a huge, that's, that is, you know, Wow. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's funny. I was going to, I wanted to ask you too, you know, the NBA has sort of become this thing where like the off season, it gets more buzz and traffic generates more traffic than the regular season with all of the uh, movement. I mean, the NFL is hitting the jackpot this year because, you know, you have JJ Watt on the move. Deshaun Watson is expected to get on the move. Uh, there's a chance Russell Wilson, um, is that stuff major traffic generated the rumors and the, where is this person going and every, like, is that almost as big as in season for you or is in season still more of a bread and butter? When we got started, Jimmy, it was off season. That was the main driver because in the off season, football fans are looking for their fix and they're not going to get it watching games. So what's going on? Who's going where? Who's looking at this guy? Who's considering that guy? Our biggest months were always March and April. Now that has changed over time and it's more of a smooth pattern. But but this month that just ended, I think one of the reasons we saw such a big spike, in addition to the fact that people are working at home and it's easier to 
to take that break and see what's happening. It's almost like we joke about this on our morning show on Peacock, PFT Live. It's almost like they all got together and decided which day of the week they're going to command the news cycle. Today, it's Ben Roethlisberger. Tomorrow, it's Deshaun Watson. Then it's Russell Wilson. Then it's J.J. Watt. And then it's his Drew Brees actually retiring. I mean, it fits. It's not like it all hits at once. Every day of the week, there's some other player who may or may not be retiring, may or may not be getting traded, may or may not be leaving that ends up being the focal point for that day. Yeah. it's a, And, you know, we I, I feel like we get so tied up in the serious aspect of sports, but it it is fun. Like, I know people were like, there was, you know, maybe some people who didn't find the J.J. Watt stuff amusing and like thinking it's ridiculous. How could you not have a laugh at that? It was, it's harmless fun at that point. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was great stuff. Um, and, you know, there's sort of this undercurrent, this vibe of like, you know, like a Watson who signs a contract, then he wants out and there's some bad, but listen, it's good for business. Like putting pe- players like that on the move is good for us and the NFL. Oh, absolutely. Even if he never moves, the fact yeah. that it's a talking point, the fact that it's generating interest, it, it naturally generates interest. I, I remember after the NFC championship game, when the Buccaneers beat the Packers, Packers could have won the game, deflating loss. Aaron Rodgers makes these vague cryptic comments about his future and that's news. That, yeah. That's huge. And there are people who are in this industry who rely on people being interested in the things we talk about and the things we write about. They were doing everything they could to shout it down like they didn't want to be bothered with it. It's like, are you kidding me? This is what we're here for. Right. We're, we are here to and, and you don't want to be inauthentic about it. But when a real story drops in your lap, you don't turn up your nose at it because you don't feel right. like working on it. You wrap your arms and legs around it and say, let's go. Let's ride this rocket as far as it'll fly. Right. And with Aaron Rodgers, it didn't fly all that far. But, but still, when those things come along, whether it's Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, whatever, we're here to draw those stories out, flesh them out, get people interested, get them coming back. That's the whole, that's the whole point. And we wouldn't do it if people didn't respond. To, and we wouldn't do it if people didn't respond to it. Right. And, I mean, it, the thirst is there for that. I mean, I can tell you this. I looked yesterday at my traffic report for February. My most read story in February was about the tweet J.J. Watson of T.J. Watt shoveling snow. I mean, that's, you know, and my second most read story in February was Troy Aikman blasting Michael Silver. I mean, that's what which people, was, people which, want. Was, which was fun, by the yes. way. Yes, it was. It was, it's people, always fun. It's always fun when it doesn't involve me. I right. love a good media fight when I'm not part of it. Let me tell you, you want to, here's my top story for the month. There was a petition on change.org to get Tom Brady to give back his $960,000 PPP loan right. for the pandemic. 2.1 million views for a story that took me 15 minutes to write. Right. 2.1 million views. And it was something that just popped and it went and it didn't stop. And it's these personalities who are polarizing. People are interested. They click, they read. And that's what we're there for. And you, there is a balance. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be engaged in clickbait. You have no credibility if you're engaged. I'll do in a clickbait. little clickbait here and there. But I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to make stuff up, but I got to get you to click. Well, <laughs> right. And, and look, there, there's, there's two kinds of clickbait. There's the clickbait that sells exactly what is in the trap. And then there's the clickbait that sells you something completely different from what you're going to see when you click through to the other side. Or it's going to be some harvest of clicks where you've got 50 different things you have to flip through to finally figure out what it is that you were sold on in the first place. I got no problem with having a compelling story and using a tweet or some other method to get someone to click on it and read it if the payoff's there. Right. The payoff's not there, then you are tiptoeing towards charlatan territory. If the payoff's there, fine, that's what we're here for. Right. That's the thing. You know, there are so many people in this business that instead of giving the audience what the audience wants, they give the audience what they think the audience should want. And then when those people get laid off, they wonder what the hell happened? Right. What's gone wrong with my business? What's gone wrong with it is you're losing sight of the fact you've got, we're all salesmen. You've got a customer who's interested in this. If right. you give them this instead of this, they're going to go somewhere else and get this. My, and I don't mind, the, you know, listen, you, if you're writing something, 
you have to sell it. That's part of this business. So I don't mind a little hyperbole. I don't mm-hmm. mind, you know, if I say, but listen, you can't lie. If I say I, that I think something's funny, I think it's funny. I can, you know, one of the things that cracked me up, well, cracked me up might not be the right, well, it did crack me up, is when there was that whole hullabaloo with the NBA and China, you know, you could take the side of bashing the NBA to get those clicks, but those people doing that, they don't give one shit about the U.S. relationship with China. <laughs> They're doing it to get people to click on to they You think they ever thought about U.S.-China relate? No, but they saw that they can get a, you know, very, um, you know, fiery headline out there and, get and, you know, that's part of the game. My guiding principle, Jimmy, for 20 years now, our 20th anniversary is coming up on November 1st. And it's always been very simple. I was a huge fan of the rock group Kiss when I was a kid. And in one of the interviews that Paul Stanley, the front man with the star, the only non-symmetrical member of the group, he had a star over one eye and nothing over the other eye. He said they created the act that they would pay money to go see. And that's always been, for me, the guiding light. What am I interested in? I'm going to write about and talk about the things that I'm interested in, because that's what I would spend my time consuming. So more people need to do that. Maybe they don't. Maybe we shouldn't give away the secrets here. Well, we're also, I mean, we're lucky that we get to do that because I'm in the same boat. SI doesn't tell me what to write about. I write about what I want every day. And, um, you know, we're we're very lucky to do that. Not everyone gets that opportunity. So, um, but yeah, that ideally that's what you want. You want people, you don't want to read someone who doesn't care about what they're writing about. That's for sure. I, I, I wanted to ask you about a couple of players, but before I, the other thing I wanted to get into a little bit, I'm just curious, what is, because we talked about the NFL and the gambling thing. And I know that the NFL has told the networks, they don't want the networks mentioning gambling, even though, as you have stated throughout this podcast, it's such a huge thing now for the league. So I find that uh, ironic that, you know, they won't let Jim Nance mention a point spread, but they're, you know, they may add an extra Monday doubleheader game to capitalize on people gambling. One, so let me, I, I wasn't going to ask that. So what I wanted to ask you was, what is your, as someone who has what might be the most important website in terms of NFL news and what fans go to, and you mentioned the numbers, what, what, what's your relationship with the NFL? Do you ever hear from them? Do they ever push back on stuff you report? I, I was surprised they came out uh, so hard against Oran, who is an excellent reporter and does not make stuff up. I was, so when the Oran thing happened, I was curious what your relationship is like with the league. Well, and, and, and I think they did what they did with the report about the deal between the NFL and Disney because they want to announce it. Right. They want to be the ones to stand up and pull the sheet off of the Rocky statue. <laughs> and they don't want any Mr. T's out there in the crowd getting ahead of things. I think that was why they did what they did, because it was spontaneous, gratuitous, didn't even have to ask. There it was. Email shows up. Uh, In case you're wondering, here's here's our statement. (laughs) Geez, it makes my job a lot easier when I don't even have to ask the question. From my perspective, the relationship is complicated, but also very simple. I cover the NFL on a completely independent basis. I own my shop. My content is exclusively licensed to NBC. People think NBC bought PFT. NBC hasn't bought PFT. PFT is owned separately and independently. And my original contract with NBC, and it still is in there to this day, I've got full control over what I write, what I say, what I do. Now, I'm on NBC platforms where I have to be a little more careful. It'll happen from time to time. There'll be something that I write at PFT that someone may not like. And then sometimes that gets back to NBC. And NBC has always been supportive, defensive, and they've always honored the agreement that I, I can I can say whatever I want to say within the confines of the platform I own. So right. well, that's good to hear. And here, here's the reality. And this is a blessing and a curse. I won't say all 32 owners read the site on a regular basis, but the number is far closer to 32 than zero. Absolutely. I think the problem is this. They see something we write, an argument that we make, some mistake that we point out, something that gets them concerned about something. So what happens? Somebody's phone rings at the league office and they get, they get asked some tough questions about something that we wrote, that we expressed an opinion on, whatever. Right. And then that's when I think the process activates of some pushback right. because somebody got their butt chewed out by an owner and then somebody else got their butt chewed out by someone higher than them 
on the league office letterhead. And eventually somebody complains. But it all, it, look, how often I, how often would you say that happens? Twice a year, Max. Oh, that's not bad. That's not even that that's big not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. But, but let me tell you this. The, the ultimate key is, and I've had this conversation, and I'll be fully transparent. I've talked to people at the league office. Let's just communicate. Right. Let's communicate. Because what happens is I'll be writing about a certain storyline that they don't like. And they just don't say anything. They just, they just ignore it. And they ignore it. And I keep writing about it. They ignore it. I keep writing about it. They ignore it. I keep writing about it. And eventually it all blows up. It's like, why isn't somebody from the moment they see something I don't like, at least engage with me. Let me see the other side of the coin. I'm not unreasonable, but if I have a belief on something and no one ever tries to tell me it's wrong or tries to let me see the other side, that, like any other human being, that belief is going to bake into the cake. Right. And uh, I think it's just a mistake for anyone to yeah. let it fester and fester and fester until it explodes. And I think we've worked past that. We have a good open line of communication. So that's one of the reasons why it doesn't happen very often. Right. Yeah. Two flare ups a year is nothing. Um, before yeah, I let you go. when they happen, it's not. It's, right. <laughs> trust me. When right. it happens. Uh, can you can you give us like what the biggest blow up was about or would you rather not say? Uh, I probably shouldn't say. Um Maybe I will. I don't know. It, it's look, you, you, we all know what the hot button issues have been over the past few years. Colin Kaepernick, hot button, the workout from 20, you, what year was that? 19, hot button stuff. You know, right. there, there's the, the hot button stuff that we write about and that we cover. When you press a hot button, it, it uh, you know, it, yeah. it can trigger a hot response. Right. Before I let you go, two very quick questions. Is it 100% certain Deshaun Watson will be on a team other than the Texans next year? I think it's 100% certain he won't play for the Texans. And I don't know why the Texans won't accept that. They're the kid, and I was that kid, who sees the little pilot light cap on the stove and is determined to put his finger on it, even <laughs> while mom says, you're going to burn your finger, you're going to burn your finger. Sometimes you just got to burn your finger right. to realize what's going on. And I, I, I don't know whether this is some elaborate ruse by the Texans to maximize leverage, or they think that Deshaun Watson won't pay back money, won't forego salary, can't be serious about this. How can he not want to play for us? We're the Texans, you know, that kind of thing. But I think he's determined to not play for the Texans. And I was say, I've that's, seen no reporting to suggest otherwise. Yeah. And I know, you know, SI has been at the forefront, not me, my colleagues on the NFL beat of reporting out that Easterby guy is just a weirdo. So I don't know why they would think Deshaun Watson was bluffing here when you can see the organization is from the inside is a complete mess. And then the other one is Russell Wilson. Will he be a Seahawk next year or is there no chance? I think that once the Seahawks realize it's inevitable, he's going to leave at some point, whether it's next year, the year after the year after that, that's when you start looking at what you can get and make it happen now. And the problem is if they wait until it's too obvious that he's leaving, then you're like the Eagles with Carson Wentz and it's impossible to maximize your leverage for now. You've got four teams that he's identified through his agent. You've got a Seahawks organization that has said nothing. So we really don't know whether they're looking to trade him or not trade him. I think they just sit back and wait for offers. But I think once they know it's inevitable, that's when it happens. And the point that I came to when I read all of the story from The Athletic from last Thursday, if the Seahawks don't view Russell Wilson the way that Russell Wilson views Russell Wilson, Trade him to a team that views him that way because that team is necessarily going to offer you more than they should. And you're going to look at it. You're going to say, holy crap, they're stupid for offering us that. Right. And I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's why the Bears are in play here, because they've got the Chiefs offense with Matt Nagy in Chicago. Russell Wilson wants to be Patrick Mahomes, and he thinks he can be Patrick Mahomes. And he wants the offense to run through him, not run the ball, run the ball, play action pass. He wants the offense to be designed to maximize his skills the way the Kansas City offense is designed to maximize Patrick Mahomes. That's what he's looking for, and he doesn't have it in Seattle, and I think that's why we're, we're seeing and hearing all of these things about him wanting out. Yeah, I, I got a kick out of his agent going to Schefter with the teams that he would be traded to. I thought that was a interesting I don't want to be traded. I don't want to be yeah. traded. I'm happy yeah. in Seattle, but, but – Here's where I'll go. <laughs> in the event there were to be a trade, yeah. I mean, it's the clearest signal, those four teams, and they should. They all should be trying to figure out yeah. what they can do – to get Russell Wilson. If I'm the Saints, I just call up the Seahawks and I say, tell me what you want. 
because the Saints may have some guys they're going to cut anyway for cap reasons. Mm-hmm. If the Seahawks say we want Cam Jordan or we want this guy, not that they're going to cut Cam Jordan. That's just a name I'm thinking of. But let's say they, they happen to mention two or three names of guys the Saints are already going to part ways with. Problem solved. Just yeah. put them in the trade package. Yeah. Well, those two will be interesting, and I'm sure they'll drive – a ton of traffic to pro football talk. So that's good for you. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. I enjoyed this conversation NFL, even in the middle of February, March, still no what kidding. everyone cares about. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate right. it. Great talking well. to you anytime. Take care. All right. My thanks to Mike Florio. Good conversation there about the NFL. It's amazing how much of uh, the league is centering everything around gambling now. Very, very interesting. So good stuff there by Florio. If you missed last week's episode, we had Brian Curtis from The Ringer and Alan Seppenwall, TV critic from Rolling Stone on the podcast. A lot of people seem to like that pod based on feedback I've gotten, so check that out. Two weeks ago, Darren Ravel on the trading card explosion and sort of educates us on what's going on with that. Kevin Clark from The Ringer, Aaron Andrews, Kyle Brandt, Roman Reigns, all recent guests. If you missed any of those interviews, go into the archives, check those out, and subscribe to the SI Media podcast. All right, that wraps it up. We'll see you next week. Stay safe and be well. Take care. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.